Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, November 27th. Let's start out with a happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there. Hopefully you are listening to this either with your family, enjoying some time apart. You need a break from all of the family debating, all of the action. Maybe you're just listening to this as you're watching the football games. However it is you spend your holidays, happy Thanksgiving from our Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network family to your own Westoff. Give me a Thanksgiving sound effect, please. <laughs> As you notice, we have not been on the Mini Break podcast every day this week. We are also taking some time to enjoy a little bit of a holiday. It is that rare time. There's only five weeks in the tennis off season, and there's a lot of stuff to preview to get ready for the 2020 season because we learned so much this past year. Uh, we will get back to our daily Mini Break grind starting next week. This week, it's going to be sporadic. This may be the last Mini Break of the week. But don't worry, podcast listeners, we've got plenty of other action to keep your ears filled in case you do need a break from your family when they start to annoy you. On the mini break front already, we had the lovely recap of Davis Cup of the ATP World Tour Finals. Some final thoughts on the 2019 season with the lovely journalist Nick McCarville and Blair Henley. Uh, obviously, to, uh, yesterday, the cracked interviews with UNC men's head coach Sam Paul went out as a continuation of our college contender series. I believe later today. Today or tomorrow, we will have another member of our College Contender Series coaching interviews, TCU coach Dave Roditi, whose team we talked about a few weeks back on the podcast to discuss his Horned Frogs as well. So for you college tennis fans, uh, we are keeping you apprised. And on that College Tennis Note, fans, we have another great guest for you today, the ITA Head of Coach Empowerment and Community Engagements, Dave Mullins, joining us. Dave, a former All-American player at Fresno State, head coach of the Oklahoma women's uh, tennis team, uh, involved in college tennis for so much of his adult life, now back in the fold as a member of the ITA team. He talks about what they've got cooking at the ITA in terms of improving community engagement, not only for the college tennis community in general, but for specific teams as well, what they can do to improve uh, their community engagement. He also talks about the programs they have going for college tennis players moving forward, the, the things they want to get started to help those people who have been playing their tennis their whole lives transition to life after tennis. Some really fun thoughts and really uh, deep, inspiring, uh, th- thoughtful provocation from Dave Maltz. I don't know why that's how I'm, th- how I'm framing it. You're really going to enjoy this conversation, I promise. We also have some fun at the end. I give him my proposals for how I would change college tennis to make it uh, more enjoyable for fans. I'm not going to give it away now, but there is something that involves rock, paper, scissors. It's a conversation I promise you all will enjoy. Uh, with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Mullins.
Joining me now on the Mini Break Podcast to continue our college coverage, getting you all ready for the 2020 dual match season. As you listeners know, I've also been preparing new intros for our guests to try and spice up the beginnings of these podcasts, so I apologize, but if you'll all indulge me. As a former OU women's head coach and All-American at Fresno State, his tennis credentials one cannot debate. As the current ITA head of coaching empowerment and community engagement, he's the guy you want making the arrangement. A man whose services were so in demand, the ITA dragged his back from Ireland. Dave Mullins, welcome to the crack. Uh, welcome to the Mini Break Podcast. Oh man, that was some introduction. Thank you. It is an honor to be here. <laughs> I, you know, I feel bad because I didn't work into it the fact that you are now also a host of the IT, of a podcast, the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. So let me say, as a fellow podcaster, it's an honor to have you. Well, thank you. I, I want you to go back and rewrite that poem and uh, put that in there somewhere. Make it, make it rhyme with Ireland. You know, you are not the first guest who has asked for a rewrite, so I don't take it personally. <laughs> I understand. But uh, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know it's Thanksgiving time, so we'll start off the bad. Happy holidays to you and your family and everyone at the ITA. Uh, but, I, you know, busy times at the ITA. Fall season in the books. I know you're a recent member of the squad. How was your first uh, fall season wow it's 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 busy it's funny being on the other side of it now alex and and seeing everything that goes into these tournaments and and uh everything that the ita is doing uh as a coach you you just have no sense of it whatsoever you just expect these tournaments to to happen and courts to be there and you don't really think about all the planning that goes into it months years in advance so it's it's great to be on the other side and and see um, how that is done, being able to kind of be the maybe intermediary between the IPA and coaches and, and be able to explain why certain decisions are made or why we're looking to do things in, in a certain way and, and try and uh, help show the bigger picture. I think sometimes as college coaches, we tend to just focus on, I don't want to say ourselves, but our, our teams and our programs and and everything that goes on with, with being a college coach and, and often um, don't lift our heads up to see what is the bigger picture around college tennis and, and maybe tennis in, in general, globally. Belied by that introduction poem, the facts I was trying to get across to the listeners, you, a former All-American at Fresno State, a former head coach of the Oklahoma women's tennis team, uh, you've been at all levels of the ITA, all levels of college tennis. You've seen it all. And again, your specific title, IT, uh, head of ITA Community Engagement and Coach Empowerative Initiatives. Um Community engagement involves social media interactions, right? Promoting the fall events. And because the fall is so focused on the individual, uh, it, I'm curious, how did you approach that in your first year on the job? You know, making sure you're highlighting uh, each of these individuals, but making sure the teams are still engaged, the communities that follow the teams are still following these individual players. Well, actually, the, the community engagement piece, it's actually more on the ground, we, we have a social media coordinator, Jacob Dye, who really focuses on our communications team, focuses on promoting the individual players, uh, the tournaments, um, you know, the, the, the successes the individuals are having, the awards that are going out. So my job, the community engagement aspect of my job is more actually on the ground at events. So we did some uh, you know, high school coaches workshops. We did some kids days. Uh, we've done um, uh, uh, kind of a college scholarship um, pathway uh, panel with college coaches. So at each of our fall events, we're trying to engage 
the community around these events in, in some way. And then the other project I'm working on, Alex, which we've started to talk a little bit more about is a project called Tennis for America, where we're trying to start a year of service project for uh, college tennis graduates. So similar to Teach for America, I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with, with Teach for America and what they're trying to do. But tennis and the ITA are trying to be the first NCA sport to uh, offer a year of service um, for graduating tennis players and maybe show other NCA sports that, that this is viable. I think it's something that's I mean, even I was watching the presidential debates the other night. We don't have to get into politics. But <laughs> Elizabeth Warren was uh, was talking. I think one of the questions is around uh, military service or something along those lines. And she talked about how, you know, creating opportunities for, um, you know, young people to, to give back to their country in some way, whether it's before or after college at some time early in their 20s, where, whenever it is. So we're, we're kind of jumping on that a little bit and, and seeing if... Uh, we can do something great. So we're, we're actually applying for government funding right now, a program called Vista uh, Funding, where we're hoping to have a stipend in place for for 12 Vista Fellows, is what they'll be called. And they'll be, we're partnering with five different um, cities around the country. And there will be, uh, they'll start work June 1st, 2020, and it'll go for for a whole year. And it's it's a pilot. So we're, we're going to be just getting feedback and, and uh, we're probably going to make some mistakes along the way. But we hope that uh, these college tennis players that they have kind of a entrepreneurial spirit and they want to go and, and do some great work in some under-resourced communities around this great country. So that's that's where I'm putting a lot of my energy right now in terms of the community engagement piece of my, my title. See, this is why I love working with fellow podcast hosts because you beat me to all the good questions. You knew what I wanted to ask. You know what's interesting. Um, you mentioned a lot of things that for college tennis fans, uh, fans of the sport, fans of community engagement, encouraging both whether it's fans of this podcast who have kids or young players who want to meet current college players and just have the experience to be around college tennis. An event like the Kids Day you did in Temp- Tempe, Arizona, where you had 150 local kids out with players and coaches from the Arizona State men's and women's team. Uh, it starts there because I mentioned the individual event, but building up for the dual match season, uh, you want to have the fans in place, and this sort of community engagement is how you not only build a base for college tennis, but just a base for tennis in general. So that's obviously so encouraging to see. Uh, on the Kids Day front, and this also transitions into the program you're getting into for players post-college tennis, but you were a college player. You have that experience. You were also a coach. You you know both what it's like to live the grind of balancing athletics and academics, as well as coaching people who are trying to live that balance. Um, so in terms of having teams participate in these events, because that's always the kicker, right, is finding the free time, organizing the event. But why do you think it sounds obvious, but for our listeners who may want to know, why do you think that's such an important component of the sort of kids day encouraging youth participation in the sport? Hmm. Well, I think, again, it's something that kids can really wrap their arms around is is the potential for getting a college scholarship at some point uh, that they're. They're very familiar with college athletics in general. They know that that's a realistic goal and, and there's so many different divisions and there's a lot of scholarships out there despite what people think. Um, there are opportunities to play tennis at the college level. It may not always be at places, you know, the highest level like the 
Virginia's or Oklahoma's or whatever it is, but there there are opportunities there. And I think sometimes the the pro stuff is just a little bit too out of reach, you know, and it's not really, you know, as inspiring as, as people might think it is. Uh, and, and very few kids are actually going to go on to that. I mean, they can absolutely aspire to it. But having a chance to interact with college coaches, college players, to see facilities, to walk on campuses, um, you know, also the, the dual match season in the spring. I mean, to me, that is the most interesting and compelling entertainment in tennis other than your podcast. But <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it really is. I mean, it, you know, you go in, and I've been fortunate to go to some amazing pro tournaments and grand slams and things like that. And you're sitting in the center court of Wimbledon and it's two all in the second second set and you're a little bit bored I hate to say it people are on their phones or going for a drink or whatever it is but with a college tennis match you're kind of your head's on a swivel and you're you're looking to see where the exciting points are and the exciting if one set has just end another one's about to end or um, you know there's a break point or whatever it is so every chance we get to promote you know, especially our college dual match season, we have to take advantage of it because it is such, to me, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's the best entertainment in tennis that we have. So I don't know if I answered your question there, but no, it, that's it, the answer I'm given. No, I mean, any question, you lost me at the flattery, right? I stopped listening after that, so that's all you need to do. Um, but yeah, absolutely. The fact is, once you see the level of tennis, I mean, I've gone to matches with my little brother who's not yet in college, and he is not playing college tennis at the, you know, Division One, D2, D3, NAIA, whatever level, but he will play club tennis, and he just loved being around those matches. He will go to matches wherever he goes to college because the level is that enjoyable. When he was getting ready for his high school season, he enjoyed going to those matches and seeing how good those guys were, what he should push himself because you, you see the level of tennis, and we're fortunate enough to be close to the University of Michigan. We've obviously seen some great matches, so it's no doubt that when you see the level of tennis and just be, you know, some of the crowds these college tennis matches have there was a stat floating around and i'm not sure how true it is or not but i've said it enough times so hopefully you talked about bringing into politics i'll speak it into truth like so many things these days that college tennis of all the non-revenue sports if you go to a match you are the most likely to go to another match because you enjoyed it that much it was like the highest retention rate of any other sport and there is something to that the thrill of the doubles point and you know to to have players there it's it seems so feasible because it plays like Michigan there's so many local tennis clubs and young kids who play the sport in the southeast Michigan area and that may not be the case everywhere but it feels like to engage that community I mean that the matches are as fun as they are now if there were more kids more of these things and Michigan does do hit with youth uh hit with the youth in the area events where, you know, it, it spikes the turnout for matches. It's a success. So I agree with you. I, I completely agree with your answer, whether it answered my question or not. Um, but to the engagement portion, I, I mean, moving beyond the engagement portion, you talked about uh, the programs you have for players after college and what it's like for players who you know, have played tennis their whole lives, and maybe they get to that point after four years where they do realize, okay, professional tennis isn't for me. What do I do now? Again, reflecting from your own experience, because I know after you were done at Fresno State, you did go to Ireland, worked outside of tennis for a year, and then were drawn back into the sport. Um, do you, you know, creation of this program does it and I know there's a lot still behind it, but does it come from a place you know where you were at when you were just finishing up your college tennis career? 
No, actually, this is this is a an idea that has been discussed at at the board of directors level at the ITA for a number of years now, and it's it's again, it's 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 an exciting project. It's something that the ITA has wanted to get to, and and as they develop their strategy, um, it was always kind of a, a nice, but but not a necessity. And there were so many other things around technology, around governance, around you know, even, you know, finance or accounting practices, all, all the boring stuff that the coaches don't want to know about, but have to be done in order to have a highly functioning association. So with my hiring, one of the the uh, ideas uh, was that I could take on this project, that, that I, I was well positioned to do that and build that into my, my roles and responsibilities. So it's just the timing is right. It's something that um, I wish I'd had that idea. I'm not that bright, but it was <laughs> great to, to, to be handed it. And it's, it's daunting in many ways and, and filling out you know, uh, application form for, for government funding is, is a long and arduous process, but I'm learning a, a huge amount uh, along the way. And I think it's going to be, um, yeah, super impactful as we talk about, you know, engaging colleges with with their community as well. Our, our, our vision is that these VISTA fellows will be able to create sustainable relationships between uh, especially NJTLs around the country and universities. I mean, my experience at, at, say, OU was that, you know, we have this amazing facility, six indoor courts, 12 outdoor courts, and, and the courts go sitting idle for, for many hours. And, and, you know, especially in the summer months, say, when there's not a lot of people around and we're not having team practices or any matches, then, you know, there's court time there that, um, there's there's tennis organizations out there that are doing amazing work and helping a lot of children, a lot of communities, and we've got to find ways to to better help them. And we can do that by creating relationships between uh, the colleges and the NJTLs. And I think these these Vista fellows will be that conduit in which it uh, it, it happens. It was a poorly phrased question. I suppose what what I meant to ask, and you know, credit to the ITA for this idea, and I'll flex my college. Twenty sixteen, I think it was Hillary Clinton who had wanted to expand AmeriCorps, and it was you mm. know more uh, scholarship opportunities for people who worked a year of public service, whether it be you know whatever it is the federal government needs you to do. And yes, Teach for America for listeners, you referenced that earlier program where uh, it sends people freshly out of college around the the country to teach in communities that are in need of teachers. So what I asked is, did this come from your experience? The way, what I meant to frame is you've been in that post-college conundrum, Mm -hmm. that place where, you know, tennis, is it over for you? You're not sure. And do I need to find a real job? Not that tennis Mm -hmm. isn't a real job, but you see what I'm, a job outside of tennis. Um, Mm. Why do you envision this program being a good bridge for those college players in this scenario now? Mm. Yeah, and I think we're trying to understand that, Alex. I mean, I think once we start the recruiting process in, in January, all the materials will go out to our college coaches and they'll be sharing with, with their student athletes. Um, but we're we're trying to get a sense of why people would sign up to do this. And, and it could be a whole host of reasons. It might be that people are interested in going into the nonprofit world and they want to learn about 
kind of how these NJTLs operate and, and maybe take that experience into another nonprofit, or they might want to get into the tennis industry. They might be looking just to take a year out and decide, okay, do I want to go pursue a master's? Do I want to go do something else? I don't really have a clue what I want to do with my life. And this sounds like a good opportunity. Um, is it to make connections with, with um, you know, just to kind of build up uh, connections within a particular industry? If somebody, say, out in New York and wants to move into the, the world of finance and they feel like that will position them well, I, I think there's there's a whole host of reasons why, why, why um, student-athletes will be interested in, in pursuing it. But until we actually launch it and, and see the, the number of applicants and, and uh, you know, where they want to be and, and what they're interested in pursuing, I mean, it's it's a difficult question to answer, but uh, I I don't know. I, I at that age I probably would have been too selfish to to go down that that road. <laughs> no, no. The reason I'm harping on it is because I'm such a fan. I'm just like, yeah, whatever we can do as a college tennis fan community to encourage this sort of thing, mm. please just let us know. You know, you complimented Great. the pot. I don't know if we have that sort of sway <laughs> yet, but hey, U.S. government, like, come on, where the, where's the money at? This is a great idea. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Just keep, uh, let's keep banging our, uh, you know, the drum and, and, uh, see what comes. I mean, we're hoping to have a, have a, um, an answer from about the Vista funding the first week of, of January. And then uh, we also have some private donations as well, but, um, no, once, once it's all released, Alex, I'll definitely share with you guys and hopefully we can push it out and, um, yeah, have some, some great people apply and, and, uh, go from there. We look forward to that moment. Well, one other thing um, I wanted to talk about another project. I don't know how you have time to manage all these things, but we talked about the other aspect, coach empowerment. You launched a podcast, the ITA College mm. Tennis Coaches Podcast. I know you guys have had a couple of guests so far. I'm looking through the list. I know you guys had David Roditi. I believe uh, last week you had, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, I'm. the list is refreshing. This is an internet. I had the list in front of me. I apologize. <laughs> But uh, what's that project been like? How, how's that been? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a learning experience again. Uh, I, I don't have any experience uh, in that world whatsoever. Um, I like to ask questions. I like to think about these things. And uh, I mean, where it really stemmed from was the the peer to peer education component. As as a college coach, I felt like I learned so much from my conversations with other coaches and that might have been after or before a match it might have been out recruiting it might be at the college coaches convention it just having those kind of informal conversations with coaches is where i learned a huge amount so i felt like just the 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 podcast space was an ideal way to uh, broadcast these conversations. So with each coach, I'm, I'm kind of uh, focusing on on one topic with them. I mean, there's several questions, but it's it's trying to figure out what that coach does really well or is maybe passionate about, um, and you know how do we get that across to to younger coaches coming through. And I've I've had some great feedback from from very well established coaches who have been doing this for decades and have coached at the highest level and um but but really it's targeted at young young coaches, first year head coaches, assistant coaches, because when I started as a as a college coach at DePaul University, I really had nowhere to turn and, and um if I had these conversations available to me and could have flown through them in a few weeks, then I think that would have been valuable for for my education and development and getting started as a college coach. 
I, I have the list in front of me now. Greg Patton of Boise State, of course, he's also done uh, the international mm-hmm. events, bringing the U.S. team abroad, the BNP event um, mm-hmm. in France. So cool to have him on. You also had, I believe, your former boss, Claire Pollard, on the last episode. Mm. Was that a fun one? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was actually in Chicago last week uh, with some meetings for this Tennis for America project. So we, we got to catch up for dinner and, and uh, joke about it a little bit. But uh, no, it was it was a lot of fun because obviously when you when you really know a guest and um, yeah, have been privy to how she operates, you know, and, and her how she runs her program. Like I won't have that with many guests, um, if at all, maybe a few of my assistants. But so so to 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 be able to do that was a was a real joy and and uh, I'm sure we'll get her on again at a, at a later date. <laughs> Did you ask her what makes a good or not so good assistant coach? Um, you know, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I I did mean to get into that, and I actually what I'm doing is I'm sending out a a um, newsletter every two weeks. So we release a podcast every two weeks, and. Uh, in the newsletter, I, I might just uh, provide some other kind of coach education resources. But I wrote an article kind of about uh, what it is to be a good good assistant coach. And uh, so I shared, I don't know if any coaches read it, but uh, I did try and, uh, you know, I try and harp on a theme. I, I try and create a theme around um, around the podcast and just add some materials around that theme. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Of course, and it was funny. I was looking through the Fresno State coaches to go from Peter Smith to Mike Haggerty to Brad Dancer. Fresno State was loaded with head coaching talent. Oh my God! Yeah, no, it just uh, Brad Stein yeah. as well. Yeah, and Jay Udwadia, who's now at, at Oklahoma State. Um, uh, who else was there? Was was Clancy Shields there as well? Maybe? I think I Luke mean, Shields. Yeah. The, uh, Luke Shields, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, amazing. It, it has it had quite the tradition. I mean, my I think my second year there, we were you know ten, eleven in the country and and uh, top twenty five all four years that I was there. And before I got there with Peter Smith, I know I think they've been high finished one year, four or five in the country. So it's it's amazing the the tradition Fresno State has had. And so to be around that coach talent, you kind of mentioned this on the onset, but uh, for this podcast, you know, it's for coaches about coaching. Um, it, why do you think it, it, it not only applies for college coaches, but just to the coaching community at large, uh, why this sort of podcast may be helpful for them? Yeah, honestly, I, I I only created it for for uh, college coaches, and and you know I'm being very niche, but it, it really is a coach education tool, a college coach education tool. But as I've gone through some of these conversations, I, I'm seeing that that many of them will be relevant to just coaches, uh, you know, especially high performing co- high performance coaches who are um, helping players transition to college or the pros or whatever it is, but are working with very serious tennis players. I think there will be aspects of, of certain es- episodes that are, are, are extremely helpful. Like, like next week I'm interviewing Chase Hodges and we're, t- I don't know if you know Chase, he's at uh, Georgia Gwinnett at NAIA and has won like 109 matches in a row on the men's side. He's, 
setting records all over the place. But a lot of a lot of our discussion is around recruiting. So that's not really going to be relevant necessarily to, say, an, an academy coach or somebody who's coaching an up and coming 13, 14 year old. But with Greg Patton, we talked about kind of the why of coaching. Like, you know, why, why are you, why, why is this something you want to wake up every day and do? And how do you find your, your love and your gratitude for, for what you're doing and the impact you're making on the players that you work with and what a gift it is? So, you know, I, I think every, every Every couple of episodes will be relevant to just coaches in general. As the you know former All American, former coach of an NCAA doubles champion at Northwestern, is there like a specific cranky old person you have to serve in volley segment? That I have to what serve in volley? Yeah, in doubles. I feel like people of the two thousands they just love it. Um, no, I, I really won't be diving into that uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, so, yeah, no, we won't be getting into the tactics and, and, and what they need to do. It's, uh, uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, no, it's it's really, uh, it's it's so wide ranging. Like I said, like with with um, David Roditti, we were talking about marketing your program. He does an unbelievable job getting <laughs> getting people to to his matches and, and really working closely with his community. With Coach Pollard, it was more about coaching philosophy and and uh, um, you know um, you know s- certain aspects around just the the day to day and how to be clear on on. Um, what your philosophy is and staying true to that regardless of what you're facing and then I have uh, another coach Jeff a former coach Jeff Moore who coached um, the University of Texas women's teams to two two national championships who's now an entrepreneur in the in the leadership space and has written a book and um, so so each week is a little bit different but no we won't necessarily be going into the kind of biomechanics tactics <laughs> you know uh, areas uh, I'll save that for a different podcast no I, i'm just saying because i know some of those guys now so like ty tucker if you're like so tell me about doubles i just who uh-huh. knows where it goes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean this is uh who, who knows uh I'll, I'll let you know when that, that conversation <laughs> happens and when they get uh, dogmatic about their uh servaline. Oh yeah, that'll be half the fun. Um, I, I again, I, I want to be conscious of your time, so I do have a bunch of fun proposals to run you through at the end. But I, I want to ask because you have been around the college game so long, but you also had the chance uh, to step away from it for for a little bit. And mm. in that time away, looking at the game, looking at just the trends of in terms of you know community engagement and head co- coach empowerment, all the things that you are centered at at, at the ITA. Uh, what did you learn in your time away that you wanted to bring over uh now that you're back with the ita mm. yeah you 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 realize um that i don't mean this in a bad way by at all but but you know college tennis isn't as important as you think it is and i know i'm working at the ita saying that but i mean that in terms from a coach's perspective that um you you get so God, you get, it's just your whole world. It's your whole life. I mean, I remember starting at the University of Oklahoma and I mean, my first three years, uh, you know, I'm working seven days a week, you know, 16 hours a day kind of thing. It's just nonstop to try and, you know, get a program up and running and, and um, you know, have it be competitive. And it, it just, it, it consumes you. And and I think, uh, to be honest, Alex, I, I got burnt out with college tennis um, as a coach. I love college tennis. I love everything it stands for. 
but from a coaching perspective, I was I was questioning why I was spending so much time with other people's children and not my own, and and I really struggled with that. And it's um, you know, so to step away and realize that, oh my God, whether I won or lost X number of matches, nobody really cares. You know, I I, I mean, it's it's so great to have you know, relationships with, with my former players and to, to have those bonds and have those memories. But, but I guess my, my advice to coaches is it's, it's, it's just tennis and, and, and the wins and losses aren't as important as, as maybe you think they are in the moment. So to step away and, and get some, from some, some space from that and some, you know, clarity of mind and to recognize also that I didn't miss coaching, <laughs> that I miss college tennis. I, I really miss college tennis, but I didn't miss the coaching aspect of it was, was great because sometimes you step away from something or, or say a relationship or whatever it is. And you're like, Oh man, did I make a mistake there? And, <laughs> and and I definitely didn't make a mistake, and and uh, so I exposed myself to a lot of different things. I I, um, I pursued my master's in sports psychology, uh, which obviously will, will help me in my role around coach education and doing research and and being able to um, evaluate what is good research and, and bad research and and what should I share with, with the coaches that might be helpful. Um, I worked in the the kind of the I was uh, or the the club industry. I was uh, kind of a, a manager, sports manager for um, for for coaches. So I was overseeing coaches in tennis, squash, um, um, uh, the gym, uh, fitness trainers, things like that. So just to learn those kind of management skills and and what what it is to to run a business and to be held accountable for some different KPIs. I also worked on the, um, or I'm, I'm still part of the board of directors for the Irish Tennis Federation, and I oversee the high performance portfolio. So that was really educational to see, you know, all to see, you know, how all the different silos in tennis. And I, and I worry, I worry about tennis, you know, that, that everybody's kind of, working in their own little silo whether it's a federation whether it's certain aspects of a country you know different regions that are working within their silo coaches associations wta itf atp utr uh, you know usta and and how do we bring some amazing minds and amazing people and amazing organizations together to help tennis survive and thrive and and uh, be a sport that people you know 200 years from now uh, still enjoy and love and 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 so to step away and maybe see the bigger picture of of tennis in general and where college tennis fits into that space i think that was those three years away were invaluable and i think will help serve me moving forward here with the ita and that's the sort of perspective that has us podcast hosts keep calling you back me lisa stone we'll have you back anytime because that sort of perspective i think as a tennis fan we can all appreciate and agree with uh you mentioned your love for college tennis specifically um I have a more serious question, but I promise we'll get to the fun stuff. But what was it? What brought you back to college tennis? Why was, you know, what was it about the sport that drew you back in? Well, a lot of things. I mean, I think my time away, I was also clear that I wanted to be in a leadership role within the tennis industry. And that wasn't necessarily at a, at a club or, or from the, the coaching perspective, that I really wanted to be on the the kind of the decision-making side i feel like i'm 
be, because I do have a, a better sense of, of that big picture because of my playing background, because of my business background, because of my education. I felt like I, I have something to offer and I can, um, you know, my opinion can be changed. Often I sit in these meetings and, and people aren't always fully informed or, or even if they are, they get very married to their opinion and, and can't have it changed. And I'm like, if somebody can make a, a legitimate argument, my mind can definitely be changed. And, and I think we need more individuals with that open-mindedness within the tennis industry and, and not getting so, again, stuck stuck in their ways and, and maybe over-traditional as well, that, that it has to look a certain way. It's always been this way. So, you know, as soon as I hear that, it's like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, there's, there's no hope. So I, I think, you know, from, from that perspective, um, the, the position at the ITA was, was or just the timing was perfect and, and uh, everything about it um, just just kind of sung to me and, and uh, it just aligned perfectly with, with everything that, that I wanted to do. So I I'm, I'm feel very fortunate and grateful that Tim Russell and the board of directors are willing to give me this opportunity and kind of just write a job description based on my you know, interests and what they believed I could bring to the organization which like that never happens. So <laughs> I just can't believe how, how it's worked out. And, uh, and then, yeah, just my love for college tennis. It, it, my, my experience with Michael Hegarty at Fresno State, I mean, that, that man changed my life. I mean, he, he, made, he made a man of me. He, he uh, broke, broke, broke me down, uh, allowed me to recognize how soft I was and um, just uh, many areas of weakness within my, my character and my, my tennis playing ability. And, um, he built me into uh, a tough human being and, uh, and I'll be forever grateful to, to him and, and, uh, and Fresno state for the opportunity. And that's why I got into college coaching because I wanted to have that hope to have that same impact on, on players that I coached. And so, uh, so this is just, I guess the next progression for me now that I, I hopefully get to impact coaches in some small way so they can go and, and turn, um, you know, have a, have a, a positive experience with their student athletes and they get something out of that experience. We've talked about progress, innovation, you know, the sense of community, all of these things as related to college tennis and no one embodied those things maybe more than Mark Hurd, uh, who obviously the Oracle CEO who mm. recently passed away, but was so close to college tennis. And, you know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I know you're around family, our whole college tennis family feels that loss. But I'm curious if I, I know you're just recently got back with the ITA, but you've been around college tennis so long. Can you speak to, uh, you know, what Mark Hurd meant for our college tennis community? Yeah, I mean, look, to, to, to have people engage with college tennis, I mean, just, just like yourselves, the fact that you guys are willing to promote college tennis and, and shine a light on it. I mean, anybody who's willing to do that is, is a hero in, in my mind, because there's so many other, you know, um, things that, that, you know, engage our attention. And there's so many options and different organizations and different, whether it's charities or foundations or whatever it is that people can get involved in. And the fact that Mark Hurd and Larry Ellison and Oracle were willing to put so much attention and resources to college tennis just just blows me away and and um i hope they'll they'll continue to do so and i know they're 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 passionate about helping uh, american tennis in general and tennis across the world and and so 
um, yes, Mark Hurd is, is a huge loss to, to college tennis and, and what he's done will, will, um, look, it'll, it'll stick with the ITA for generations to come. And, uh, but, but we hope that that partnership continues as, um, it's, it's benefiting college tennis, uh, college coaches, and, and ultimately the student athletes. Absolutely. The relationship between Oracle and tennis, not just college tennis, but the challengers, just all of the different things they're doing. Uh, so much of that was spearheaded by him. And so obviously we were so appreciative for everything he did. Um, but with that in mind, I want to end with one more thing. Pick everyone's spirits up as we get into the Thanksgiving season. Um, and that, of course, you know, I know you are not the czar of tennis operations of college tennis. But again, you've been a coach. You've been a player. You've seen a lot of the game. I wanted to have some fun with you before we ended. So I came up with a list of, we'll say, semi-serious proposals to change in college tennis moving forward that I want to run by you. And again, if you say if you like them, even if you don't, for listeners who are clear, this doesn't have to be endorsements. Don't expect a change. But does that sound good to you? Brilliant. Yeah, bring it on. All right, Westoff, give me some sort of rapid-fire sound effect, please. Okay, we'll start. Do you want to start with the goofy stuff or the simple stuff? Uh, let's go goofy. All right, let's go real goofy then. Obviously, you know, we have to decide the server for every match, so there's always a coin flip on each court. To emphasize the spirit of competition, to have it going from, you know, the moment you step onto the court, in lieu of the coin toss, across the six singles and three doubles matches, rock, paper, scissors between the two teams, just to decide the server, to get the competition going from the get-go. <laughs> yes or no? That's stupid. <laughs> I told you, know, you, you know, might swear. You know what? You know, it just came to me as you're saying that. What if the two head coaches had to play one baseline point to decide? <laughs> Even better. Uh, I'm in. I would watch. <laughs> look, coach Steinberg is my head coach, and I would watch him versus Tucker. Sign me up. Oh, my God. That would be amazing, right? Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm all in. So I'm, some sort of change. Yes. Okay. I love it. Okay. Yeah. yeah done. I done. like it. Just because, okay. like, imagine your home. Your, it's a home match for you at in Oklahoma. All six of your players win rock paper scissors. They're all throwing paper. You have a team wide discussion. <laughs> We're throwing paper today, and they just win them all. Like the crowd goes nuts. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not buying it. No, I like my idea better. <laughs> all right. That's yeah. That's look. I'm in. I'm just saying coin flip unnecessary. But we'll stick okay. then with the goofy lawless okay. lineups beforehand it doesn't matter what spot you play them in neither coach is going to know but you just you can submit players wherever you want in the lineup if you want to play your number one guy at six so be it it could be a waste it could not be but just you get to submit whatever lineup you want beforehand Mm. yeah i think you're onto something there just pot luck just you get what you get yeah, there's a twist yeah. to that. There's a part two to that would be to get really specific, to emphasize the importance of a home match is that the away team has to submit their lineup beforehand. And then every time you're a home team, you get to match up however you want. So there's parity, right? Let's say yeah. you're, and I'm saying this yeah. arbitrarily, let's say it's Louisville against one of those powerhouse Virginia teams and they just want to uh-huh. stack it up. They're like, we think we can win doubles and four, five, and six if we play our one, twos, and threes there. Uh-huh. So it yeah. keeps you on your toes. Yeah, uh, keeps you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not endorsing that, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I like I like the way you're thinking about it, and, and there's something there for sure. But 
we'll uh, we'll park that one for now. We call this segment the "Why Is Alex Single" segment, and it's because I think of stuff like this. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, but all right. We're, we're, again, we're going to start tapering down now. Uh, recently, college tennis made a push to cut out the noise in between first and second serves, and I get that from a player's perspective. But as a fan's perspective, again, I want lawlessness. Like I want these rowdy mm. crowds. So I say, just just let it happen. Hmm. Well, we, we did, when I was actually in the Big 12, we, we did have that discussion. And it was, it, I mean, the crowds were allowed to do whatever they want. I mean, they were, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, just, just let loose. But I, I guess it really got out of control. I, I, I guess the fans <laughs> yeah. just just did take it a step too far. So, I mean, as the Big 12, we were willing to test it out. And I was definitely, I voted in favor of that to, to test it and, and pilot it and see how it went because I'm with you. You know, we, we need to, you know, one kind of harkens back to what I was talking about earlier about tradition because it's always looked a certain way or, or fans have had to act a certain way. It doesn't mean that, that, that that's the future and that's what's best for the game. So we do need to find ways to, to make it exciting and, and a fun environment for, for the, the, um, the fans. And I'm, I'm, you know, like, players need to toughen up you know if somebody yells something out between first and like so what i mean then just get used to it and and you know develop a tougher mindset and, and learn to embrace and enjoy that i mean as a most college players i have to believe would much prefer to play with 2000 rowdy fans even if they're you know not supporting you than you know three people and their their dog (laughs) you know i mean what you know which which i mean those are the matches you'll remember i mean i remember the matches with big crowds whether it's fresno state or playing um you know in athens in in georgia at the ncas or whatever like those, those are the things you remember so we do have to find ways to to make it a fun exciting environment for the fans but I don't know. I don't know where you draw that line, Alex. That's the thing. So I'll tell you it's where you a draw. discussion that rock, yes, tell me. rock paper, scissors, <laughs> just from the get go. That is fun. It's comp- or a player coaching point, like the coaching okay. point. I'm in. Okay, it's grown on me. It's grown. Just keep, keep repeating rock paper scissors, and I might agree to it by the end of That's this That's how it uh, works. Interview. You repeat it okay. enough, and it's real. Um, all right, right. We're, we're tapering down, and again, a lot of these are fan specifics, but. I I would ever I get you know you never want to play next to someone because then their balls rolling ever but as a match winds down even if courts one and six are as far away as possible and there is something to finishing a, a match on the court you started on but for the fans for the coaches for the teams which you can plop in between the two matches can we get the matches like you have to move closer together so if there's two matches left in a three two mm-hmm. match they're at least you know a court apart at most. Yeah, I, I've never heard anyone say that. I, I love that. Like, again, for, for players, why is that a big deal? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know why that would be a big deal. If a game ends and they say, hey, you've got to move two courts over, like, are, are we really this precious that, mm-hmm. that we can't pick up our bag and move two courts over and get a swig of water and change in? Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah, coaches would it. like it too, right? I feel like that you could say yeah. it and they'd be like, oh, nice. Now I, I don't have to freaking run between. Like I've been at those Michigan matches. It sucks when because they play evens yeah. on one side, odds on the other. And if it's like two and five, you're just not going to get to see both. Yeah, 
No, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, just because, again, it's always been this way and the players won't like and the official won't like it. Well, what, again, what's best for our sport and what's what would the fans enjoy? And, and I think the players as well would enjoy being closer to one. I know I would if, if I was playing and I knew another match was going on. I mean, at Fresno State, we had three courts. We had a stadium in the middle and three. So I never knew what was going on the other, other side. So to actually, yeah, we bring a match over <laughs> to one side and we're beside and we can support one another. I mean, that's another thing I loved about college tennis and what I miss about it is, yeah, being to be on that court and to support one another and to hear that energy between the courts. I, I mean, yes, let's do it. <laughs> All right. How do I, we get that done? I, I mean, I think you might know someone. I know this guy, Dave <laughs> Mullins, but it's not really – I don't know if that empowers a coach. Powers a coach that falls under your purview to allow sure. them to do their job better. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. perfect. All right, and yeah. two more, I swear, and we'll do a serious one before we get to the last fun one. Um, just uniform scoring across all of the divisions. I don't care if it's no ad. I don't care if it's uh-huh. ad. I don't care if it's single or if it's one set of doubles pro set. If they're all worth a point, if it's best of the three, you get one point. But just I, I feel like we need that uniformity. No lets as well. I love that they don't play lets. I would do that in both men's and women's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the that discussion is is ongoing. We actually have our coaches convention out in Naples, Florida next week, and we have a, a bunch of operating committees and and uh, roundtable discussions with coaches. And those are actually you know items that are going to be discussed at those meetings because I think a lot of people feel strongly that we need some uniformity ac- across the board. I mean, even in our fall tournaments, like in in uh, a couple of weeks ago out in Newport for the ITA Fall Nationals, the men were playing um, uh, two out of three set doubles, and I think the girls were playing uh, um, a pro set. Um, or maybe that was at all Americans. I might be mixing that up. But again, it's it's the fact that fans are coming, they're watching, and there's 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 different things going on even within the same division with men's and women's. Like you said, the let rule. So I think the sooner we can move towards everybody doing the same thing. So if I'm a a, a, a fan out in Southern California and I go to a junior college men's match, and the next day I'm at a Division One women's match that that it's the same across the board. So, yes, those discussions are happening, and and hopefully we move towards that sooner rather than later. I like to hear it. All right, the last one, and again, you've been a player, a coach, all these things, so I'm looking forward to your perspective because it's another two-parter. Um, and the only reason part one would really matter, and there are serious reasons to, I don't know why I'm prefacing it. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, okay. So there's been discussion, serious discussion before for serious logistic reasons about moving the NCAA individual tournaments, all individual tournaments into the fall and having all team tournaments in the, to, in the spring. The reason I am a proponent of that is so that for part two of this plan, in the individual season, to honor the all-stars of the individual year, whether you're an All-American, an Oracle Masters event, uh, an NCAA champion in singles or doubles, you have, we put on, we, emphasis on we, a college tennis labor cup where we have players coming together from different teams, men and women, the all-stars of the fall season for a final little all-star event at the end of the year. Team tennis is the rage. Team tennis is a central feature of college tennis. Let's make it a highlight of our fall season. Mm. Interesting. No, I mean, again, geez, I think you need to come work with the ITA, Alex. <laughs> you're, you're onto some things here. 
Um, no, th these are some discussions that we're having. Um, we, we do have a world team tennis um, proposal out to our Division One operating committee right now, and, and we're eliciting feedback on that and getting a sense of where you know that would fit in the schedule and and um, you know the format and things like that. So again, these these discussions are being had and, and they're very real. And uh, uh, ultimately, we are you know a coaches association and, and we represent the coaches and. and that's why we need feedback. We can't just make decisions in, in a vacuum. But um, I think also discussions are being had around, yeah, where does the individual NCA tournament fit? And, and uh, a lot of people are saying it, it just doesn't fit after our team team event in May anymore. That I think I, think I might be wrong here, but I think 10, 10 uh, men pulled out of the draw last May, which is just, you know, it's crazy to think, but it's just... It's just too much. And, and so where does that fit? Does it fit actually in January um, to, to allow us to go through the fall season, make sure the right people are, are selected for the NCAA tournament? You, you wrap up the individual season in mid-January, and that allows us to then start the team season mid-January and go to the end of May, and we're crowning the, the team championship. So there's a clear... We clearly define the individual season and the team season, and there we're not confusing the two. So there's there's a lot of these discussions, and they have been. We've had these discussions for, for many years, and they're ongoing because uh, I think coaches recognize that we we can do better, and our our sport can you know has to continue to evolve to survive. Yeah, and there are obvious counterpoints. Players like to play mm -hmm. pro events in the fall. Um, do you want it that lopsided to where if you're playing, you really have to play these fall events if you want these individual aspects? Um, and, you know, not to get political again, but this seems to be the way institutions are going. When the tennis czar position is formed, when I get to just be ruler of all tennis decisions, uh, the real dream is to play this Labor Cup college event at the U.S. Open. And, of course, that's a lot of coordination. But, yeah, I, 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 you guys, we've talked about these discussions have been happening for years. They're happening in living rooms too, Dave. I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> if you want to do Team Mullins versus Team Gruskin, I'll be the coach. Okay, God, we we really we could solve the world's problems here if we just stay, <laughs> the on, tennis stay on this line. Yeah, the tennis well, problem. We'll start with tennis, and then we'll move on to uh, more global issues. Yeah. I have a water um, bottle in front of me, so climate change, unfortunately, not my forte. No, okay, well, uh, we'll we'll let that pass. I've got my uh, glass uh, bottle in front of me, yeah. so I don't no, feel no good judgment. about it. No, I know I'm doing wrong for for the listeners okay. out there. Let let them okay. know. I'm aware, but yes. Um, but all right, those are my proposals, Dave. Uh, again, I know it's been a busy fall season for you. Uh, before we wrap up, though, any final thoughts? Any things fans should be ready for as we get ready for the dual match season? <sighs> Well, no. I mean, you you guys are probably more clued in to uh, you know who who are the teams to watch. I, I'm I'm getting my reintroduction to college tennis, and and uh, like I said earlier, my, my my experience was was as a player and a coach was at the Division One level. So I'm trying to spend a lot of time learning about the other divisions and what their needs are and how the ITA can provide solutions for them but no as as we get into the spring season i'll be learning you know who's who and who's who's uh in pole position to to win the various titles and and uh i'll be at i'll be at um the men's national indoors d1 national indoors in uh in madison wisconsin in february and then i don't know if you know division two are starting their first indoor championships in oklahoma city 
Um, so men's and women's, they're bringing that together uh, for the first time. And I will be out there as well. And then um, obviously that all leads to NCAs in, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So I'll be back back to Oklahoma in, in February and May, which will, will be great because I've not been been back since I left OU in 2016. So I'm excited about that. But no, I just I appreciate all you guys are doing for college tennis. Like I said, you're, you're shining a light on on uh, our great sport and and uh, i think we we all agree that it's it's uh it's awesome and i wish more people would go and check it out oh, i appreciate that i should hopefully be seeing you in madison some of the site of my own personal best tennis conquest so hoping to get out oh. to the indoors <laughs> yes again myself i just i love that facility um i you know great. we're also of course looking forward to your podcast the ita college tennis coaches podcast which again for our listeners you can go find on itunes wherever you listen to your podcast like rate subscribe review that as well some advice for you since you've given us so much over the time if you're in a casual conversation about this season men's or women's the line you should go to dave is no i I just think unc is really solid this year because i promise you you'll get away with it no matter what you're talking about okay okay i've i've i'm just writing that note down now so that's good to know any other tips just keep them coming my way so i actually sound like i know what i'm talking about <laughs> well when my next proposal involves like snowball fights in the winter for the indoors like, i'll be sure to send that your way as well okay well you've got an open line so call anytime <laughs> i appreciate that happy thanksgiving to you and your family and take care dave you too alex cheers Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave Mullins talking all things ITA tennis and what you fans can look forward to from the college tennis world in 2020. Obviously, Dave, so kind to entertain some of my wackier thoughts as well. If you enjoyed any of them, you have any proposals for how you would change college tennis, let us know. We want to hear your thoughts as well. You know the Twitter accounts and social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. You can let us know your thoughts on how you would take the direction. Obviously, again, because we're so thankful to have Dave, I want to plug his ITA coaching podcast as well, which you can find wherever you get your podcast. So go give that a listen. Very informative for college tennis fans, even if you're not a coach, which, as he mentioned, is what the pod is uh, for. Just to get some insight into the college tennis coaching mind, that's something as fans of the sport, we always appreciate. I mentioned on the college contender note, we've done TCU, Mississippi State, uh, UNC thus far. We've got the chance to speak. Oh, USC as well. We've got the chance to speak with their coaches or will be doing so in the short time. I forgot to mention earlier, our best of the decade GSP series. We haven't done that in a couple of weeks. Uh, When you're talking about 10 years of tennis it takes some time to do some research but i am recording two of those later this week to be released either later in this week or next week as well so i promise listeners we are getting right back to that as well so be on the lookout for all of those things like rate subscribe review this podcast the great shot podcast cracked interviews podcast let us know what you're thinking again it's a little with a little five star rating as well as a little review in the comment section alex great interview alex Rock, paper, scissors? Are you serious? You know, wherever you want to go uh, with your comments, we would love to hear it. Always have to give a shout-out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f*** of an editing job to do, as always, and have killed it for us throughout the 2019 season. If I could give them awards at the ATP WTA level, I would, because that's how valuable they are to us. 
Uh, but with that in mind, uh, you know, for our lovely super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for my lovely co-host today, Dave Mullins from the ITA, who was kind enough to join us, and from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you all later in the week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.